my opinion, the, just the greatest, greatest day of the year. Because it's a day of victory. It's Jesus is alive. You know, I'd hate to think that we were worshiping a dead God. Fact is, if we were, the Bible says all of our worship and everything that uh, that we do would be in vain. If He had not resurrected, it'd all be for naught. It's a wonderful thing as we think about our living Lord. Just like the psalmist says about the the false gods of of his time, no other god lives except the true God, only one. You look for Confucius, you look for Buddha, you look for Mohammed, you look for all the gods of this world, you'll find that they've died. The fact is, we're buried, and their remains are still there where they were. But you look for Jesus, and you find an empty tomb. It's just like the angel said when... When the disciples went to the tomb and they were looking for his body and they looked inside and he said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. You know, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this today, but I, I can't help but take the opportunity because of the, of the press that it got recently, this, uh, lost tomb of Jesus documentary that, uh, the Discovery Channel has uh, aired last month. I don't know how many of you saw it. I, I, um, it is really just another worthless attempt by the world and Hollywood to discredit uh, the name of our Lord. In fact, when we uh, uh, when we look, anybody who is honest has to look at it and has to understand what has gone into the production of this this film and and this. Uh, this production by James Cameron, the producer of, uh, or I guess the director of the Titanic, and I'm not sure what other other things he's done, but uh, um, you know, every year it seems like about Easter time, somebody comes along and they're wanting to. They've got this theory to put forward to try to debunk the whole issue of the resurrection of Christ, when in fact, you know, it fails every time. Last year we had the Da Vinci Code. Now we have the we have the uh, the lost tomb of Jesus, and those of you who are not familiar with what I what I'm talking about, there was a this documentary that is uh, that was produced and aired over the Discovery Channel was was basically an attempt to, uh, to convince people that they have found a tomb, a family tomb, if you wish, uh, found in Jerusalem with the uh, the I forget how the ossuaries. Am I saying that right? The uh, uh, bone boxes, basically of the uh, the family of Jesus, including, get ready, his mother, his wife, his son, and I'm not sure, I think maybe Matthew. <laughs> Why they included Matthew in this, I don't know. But uh, it is so, it, it's hilarious when you get to looking at it because Basically, archaeologists, uh, there is not one reputable archaeologist who, who will stand with Cameron on this thing and say, yes, there is there's some reason to think that this is, this is what you're saying that it is. It makes great TV, but that's about all it makes. And my pen is not very great TV. 
but the point is, um, you know, there's so much. In fact, if you're interested in this subject and have had some questions, I've got some articles that I've made. Just some, uh, just, there's probably 10 or 12 copies of, of about three different articles on this table over here uh, in the back. If you'd like to get a copy of that, feel free to take it and, and, uh, and read it. All three of the, of the articles say basically the same thing. But uh, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, in fact, they, they want to treat it as if it's something new. But, you know, this whole thing was found in 1980. Took them long enough, didn't it? Uh, Twenty-seven years to be able to uh, uh, to to bring it out. But of course, you know we we have to have something to follow the Da Vinci Code, don't we? Well, the Bible says that Jesus is alive. In fact, it says that he was that he was crucified. He was buried. On the third day, he resurrected, and that's what we are here today celebrating is the resurrection of Christ. I often say, you know, that, that every Sunday uh, for our church is Easter Sunday because, you know, that's, that's the reason we're here, because he's living. But truly today is a wonderful day, that, and I'm grateful that, uh, you know, man, you know, even, even the, uh, the TV stations even cooperate to a point. We get to see the Ten Commandments on TV every year, whether you want to or not. I mean, I've seen that more than ten times. <laughs> I mean, you, if you haven't, well, you're pretty smart. You don't need to watch it that many times. But seriously, you know, it's a great opportunity that even the world recognizes Easter. Now, they've perverted it a little bit but and don't understand the real truth about it. But that that's okay. It gives us an opportunity to talk about it. This morning, I want us to, I want us to focus, if we could, on what Jesus did immediately after the resurrection. And as we do, we're going to look at John chapter 20. Actually, we're going to take a number of scripture from chapter 20 and, and chapter 21. And, and I want to say to you this morning, I don't have a, uh, I don't have a story to tell you, uh, other than the story of the Bible. And it's reliable. It's not, it's not my story. It's not something that I've come up with. It's, it's the Word of God. And so we're going to read here in just a moment, uh, from chapter 20, but, uh, uh, th- this morning I, I want us, as I said, I want us to focus on, on, the activity of the Lord Jesus after he resurrected. He actually made four different appearances immediately following his resurrection. And there was a purpose for each one of those, uh, each one of those appearances. And the purpose for each of those appearances becomes very clear when we look at the people to whom he appeared. As we look at them, We'll see who and what was on his mind. Which begs the question, who was on the mind of Christ following the resurrection? Well, I'd like to tell you to begin with, his friends were on his mind. We sang about being friend of God this morning. It is a wonderful thing to know that we can call ourselves the friend of God. Read with me if you would. Let's stand together. As we read this this morning, John chapter 20, beginning with verse 11, it says, But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. As she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. 
Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. Our Father, this morning we pray and ask your blessing upon this, the reading of your word. And I ask you, dear Lord, to help us to see truly what was on your mind when you resurrected from the grave. And, and, and not just what was on your mind, but who was on your mind. And help us to make application this morning. For your glory we ask it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, please. watched as his life ebbed away. Then we all stood around till the guards took him down. Joseph begged for his body that day. It was late afternoon when we got to the tomb, wrapped his body and sealed up the grave so i know how you feel his death was so real but please listen and hear what i say i've just seen
It was his voice I first heard Those kind, gentle words Asking what was my reason for tears And I sobbed in despair My Lord is not there He said, child, it is I I am here I've just Just in Jesus, our precious Lord alive. And I knew He really saw me too. As if till I've done before won't matter anymore for I'll never be the same Jesus came and appeared to his friends to begin with Mary Magdalene was hurting all of the disciples were hurting their Lord had died on the previous Friday and been put into the grave and all their hopes were dashed. And they were hurting and Jesus met Mary in the garden. And he spoke offering comfort. What were the words of encouragement you say? Well, there was only one. It was Mary. For you see, he knew her name. He knew who she was. 
And I would submit to you this morning that Jesus Christ knows your name. When I realize that He knows me personally, I want to tell you I've never been the same. For I am a friend of God. He said, Greater love hath no man than this, and he lay down his life for his friends. He called us friends. He knows our name. He knows everything about us. He knows our hurts. He knows our needs. He knows everything about us. And yet he loves us. came to his friends to begin with his friends were on his mind but you go down the page a little bit and you find that he he appears to his followers as well verse 19 in that same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the jews jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them peace be with you When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. The very first day in the evening, he came to his disciples. Verse 19 tells us that they were meeting behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. You know, we meet here together today and we have no fear of of meeting together together. Centering our focus around the name of Jesus Christ. It it cost those people something back in those days. And for fear of the Jews, they'd locked themselves behind closed doors. And the Lord Jesus came to them and told them not to fear. Peace be with you, he said. And after giving them confidence in their in their calling, he commissioned them to uh, to do the work that he had he had for them the purpose that they had in life. Verse 21, he tells them, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. I want you to go and to be a witness for me. I want you to witness for the glory of God the Father. I want you to do the work of God. And, you know, many times we we get a glimpse of Jesus and we understand the calling of God and And we're fearful. We need to hear him say, peace be unto you. We need to know that he has called us. And when we have a sense of a a holy calling to do the work of God, we we, we can understand that just like with his followers there in, in in that room where he met with them, he's going to not only eliminate our fear, He's going to give us the power to get the job done as well. I don't mind telling you, I first thought about coming to Nampa, Idaho, all the way from Texas, and not knowing anybody in Nampa, and not sure what to expect here. I was a little fearful. I wasn't behind closed doors, you understand? (laughs) But uh, a little bit of insecurity going on there, but then I happened to remember that God called me and commissioned me to go and do that work. And I knew that if God had called me to do it, he would empower me to do it through his spirit. 
according to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, if I'd wait upon uh, the Holy Spirit of God, he would enable me to be the witness that I needed to be for him. And that he had already worked in the hearts of people in Napa and all around that we'd begin to, uh, to, to, he had already begun to put together his church and I hadn't met a single one of them yet. It's an awesome thing to be able to, to know that God was talking to you at the same time he was talking to me. God's just, a, he's, he's just a wonderful Lord. Empowers us to do the work that he's called us and commissioned us to do. Not only did he, did he appear to his, his friends and his followers, but something very important to understand is that he, he appeared to the faithless as well. The faithless. Look down at, uh, at verse 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. He said to Thomas, Reach your finger here. Look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, Thomas wasn't present on the first Sunday night uh, that he'd met with his followers. He had been plagued with doubts. And Jesus understood his need to be settled in his belief about who he was. And you know, don't think yourself strange if you find yourself doubting about your faith in God. You find yourself wondering if what you're believing might be might be true or if maybe you're Maybe you're not hearing the right thing. It's, it's human to have those doubtful thoughts. Thomas was so doubtful. In fact, you know, you know it's pretty sad. Here's a guy who his name kind of equates with, you know, we call a doubting Thomas, right? That's where this comes from. But Jesus understood his insecurity and he understood the, the need that he had to, to be undergirded and to be, uh, to, uh, to be able to have his faith validated. And he did so and he allowed him to see him. And he allowed him to touch his, his resurrected body. To see that it was a real body. This is not a ghost. This is a real body that Jesus is, is walking around and he's alive. And he lets him literally touch him in the presence of these other, other people. And I, will, I want to tell you that today that when you find yourself doubting and you find yourself maybe in, the, uh, in, in, in an insecure attitude sometimes, just remember that, that the Lord Jesus, as your good friend, wants to help you and wants to help to eliminate those doubts in your life. And He understands your weaknesses. The greater blessing comes when we refuse to doubt verse 29 
latter part of it, he told Thomas, he said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. The greater blessing is believing even though we haven't seen. Well, he appeared to his friends, his followers, the faithless. Finally, he appeared to the failures, which takes us to chapter 21. There were seven of his followers who were about to give up. Beginning with verse 1, let's read together. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. That night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to uh, to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. The other disciples came in the little boat. They were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged a net to land full of large fish, 153. Although there was so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to to his disciples. After he was raised from the dead. I said he appeared to the failures. These seven men out on the seashore. You see, you've got to know something about the context of this. You go back and you find where Jesus had first met uh, these fellows. At least about half of these guys that were here. He met them when they were working as fishermen. And he'd called them and he'd told them. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And, and the Bible says they dropped everything they had. And they left it and they followed him. They left their old business behind as if it never existed and followed him. And now Peter says, they're out here. You know the mindset. They're broken hearted. Oh, they had heard that the Lord had, had uh, resurrected. They had even seen him twice. But yet, they're still a little bit weak. They're still a little bit fragile. Peter says, I'm going back the old way of life. I'm going fishing. Nothing wrong with fishing except for the fact that fishing was his, was his vocation. I'm deserting the commission that Jesus gave me while he was here. 
I'm going fishing. What did the other say? We're going with you. So be careful if you ever want to jump ship and go back to the old way of life. There's always somebody that will go with you. Well, they went. And as they fished all night, and they caught nothing all night long. Jesus shows up on the shore and says, do you have any food? You know, those who want to say this is some sort of spirit or some sort of a, a ghost that's out here talking. Jesus walks out and says, you, need, you have any food? No, we don't have any food. He said, well, just cast the net on the other side of the, of the boat. And they did. It cost them any fish. It liked to pull the boat in, under. And John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, <laughs> you know, funny, I love that. John refers to himself. It's the only place you find that in the Bible is a book that's written by John himself. He says, that, uh, the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, he didn't name himself, but you know that it's him that he's talking about, as if Jesus didn't love anybody else. But uh, he was so overwhelmed with the fact that Jesus, that Jesus loved him. John said, it's the Lord. And Peter, Peter, you know, he's the one who's, He's just so compulsive. I mean, he just he does everything first. He he doesn't wait. He doesn't he doesn't ask advice. He doesn't check to see if it's okay. He says it's the Lord. He puts his shirt back on and dives in the water. He's not waiting for the boat to get back to the shore. He's going. And the rest of them came in the little boat. And then Jesus there on the shore had a coal had had a, had a fire of coals going and. And had bread and took some of the fish and baked it. And they ate breakfast. I'm not sure I really appreciate what they had for breakfast. I'm not much for fish for breakfast. I don't know about you. But uh, you know what? Somebody said Jesus had to be a real man. He ate fish for breakfast. Well, I hope that's not a qualification. But the fact is, the truth is, that he ate. He had a physical body. And he ate. You know what? This... This just, this just really, I don't want to jump ahead of myself too much, but the thing that just goes all over me, you know that, that the Lord Jesus, when he left the disciples, where did he go? He went back to heaven. And do you realize he was still in a physical body when he did that? Do you know today there is a physical body in heaven? It's the glorified body of Christ. You say, I don't understand that. Well, I don't understand a lot of it either. You know, it's just, it's a God thing. It's one of those things that God can do. And sometimes it's just beyond the understanding of man. But the great news is he's, there's one day going to be a day when we're going to reunite with him. And we're going to get to see him as they saw him. What a wonderful day that's going to be. But when we come back to this, this subject of appearing to uh, the failures on the side of the uh, of the seashore here. These seven who were about to give up. And out of the seven he singled out Simon Peter. Look at verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? 
And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now you've got to remember that Peter had denied him three times during his trial before the high priest. Jesus had predicted it. Peter did it. He became aware of it immediately as soon as he had done it. it. Broke his heart. The Bible says that he went out and wept bitterly after looking straight in the eyes of Christ. You know what? Some have said that, that Jesus here in this passage is reminding Peter of his denial. Before three times he asked him, do you love me? But you know what? I, I don't really believe that Jesus was using uh, these questions to Peter to remind him of his failure. Peter didn't need a reminder of that. The fact is, I believe that he was using this as an opportunity to let Peter know that he still believed in him. Three times he told him that he still trusted him. Every time he would ask him, do you love me? And Peter would say, you know I love you. And what would Jesus say? Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Take care of the flock I've given you to take care of. You don't need to go back fishing. I still believe in you. You still got the job. And folks, I want to tell you today, God doesn't tell us that we won't fail. For if you think you're never going to fail in life, I got some bad news for you. The one thing that God does tell us is don't quit. Don't give up. Don't change what you're doing just because you failed, because you've done something wrong. For you see, He's made provision for that. No, it's not a license to go out and sin, but what it is, it is forgiveness through His grace. The Bible says if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All we have to do is say, Lord, I blew it. I wish I had a nickel for every time I've blown it. I wish I had a nickel for every time I've had to say, Lord, I've blown it and I don't want to blow it again. Please forgive me. And I'll tell you, I wish I had a nickel for every time the Lord has said, you're forgiven, you're my child. My blood has made our relationship possible. Oh, you see, His grace is un unlimited. His, His mercy is unlimited. What we, what we as believers in Jesus Christ, when this whole thing called the Christian life is nothing more than growth, when I, when I called on Christ to come into my life and to be my personal Lord and Savior, I didn't become instantly Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, uh, never make a mistake Christian. You know, a lot of people don't want to be involved in church because they're, we've all heard this, haven't we? There's too many what in the church. Exactly. And you know what? It's hypocritical to say that, really. For the truth is, if we will admit who we are and what we are, by the grace of God, 
That's the only thing that makes us any different from people who are not part of God's family. It's God's grace. I haven't done anything to measure up in the sight of God. All I did was trust Him by faith to receive the gift of His love for me and His forgiveness. And do I fail Him? Yes. And I'm, am I proud of it? No. In fact, I'm brokenhearted. I'm just like Peter was. I am a failure and it breaks my heart. But when I come to Him, He cleanses me and He makes it okay. For it's just like she sang earlier, all that I've done before just doesn't matter anymore. For you see, He has made it possible for me to have a relationship with Him. And folks, it's more than heaven and the sweet by and by. It's a wonderful life here and right now. And how that God will provide for us miraculously as we live for Him and as we trust Him on a, on a daily basis. Oh, I'll tell you, heaven's not a, bad, not a bad fringe benefit either. Because you do get to go to heaven when you die. But the great thing for right now, we're living so close to, uh, to, to you know, the, the sweet by and by is great, but the nasty now and now is right here and we have to look at it, don't we? I mean, it's part of life. And it's great to know that the Lord wants to walk with us through this difficult journey called life. And He knows that we are going to fail Him, but yet His arms are wide open with forgiveness and cleansing and love. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed. 